This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price, because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash PCPer and enter code PCPer. Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 380, being recorded on December 23rd, 2015. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Alan Malmontano. I'm Ari Tattleman. I'm Sebastian Pete. Uh, we're recording early. If you're listening to this after the fact, you don't care. But uh, actually, that probably means you'll get the podcast like almost a whole day early as well, because Ken's going to stay after this and actually do the editing and all that stuff. Yeah. Maybe we could just maybe we could just restream it out again at the correct time. That's true. We could we um, could well, set up a, a scheduled output of a live stream at ten. We could do that. Have it started at like ten seventeen. You assume we're, or so. we'll be finished by ten. That's true. Yeah, that's I got it. Yeah, we should be. Mm. We'll we'll be finished by then. So uh, welcome everybody. Uh, I'm back. Alan's back. Guess you were back last week. Kinda. I was. Uh, Jeremy's out. Josh is out. Replacing them. We've got. Sebastian and Maury. Um, and it is two days till Christmas as we record this. So everybody's trying to get crap done and get away. We're trying to schedule CES meetings. Um, you know, trying. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a huge pain in the ass. Uh, but we still had a decent amount of stuff to talk about. But in case you want to watch us stream live, like, so this is a perfect example, right? Where uh, uh, we normally record the show at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Wednesday nights. Uh, what is that? Somebody muting and unmuting themselves? That's probably what it was. Uh, but today we had a little bit of a change because everybody that was on the West Coast is kind of – they're out. They're gone. They're sick. They're with family, whatever you, you want to call it. Yep. Um, we thought, okay, I've got shopping to start after the podcast tonight. So yeah. I was like, okay. that's This is when Ryan wants to do his Christmas This is when shopping. I do my Christmas shopping is late at night. Either now – it's got to be today because Christmas Eve night, some of the places are actually closed. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? I don't know. Um, so the worst night possible. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we so let's move it up to eight o'clock. So you wouldn't have known that unless you signed up for our PC Perspective Live mailing list, which you can get to at pcper.com slash subscribe. You go there, you get this list, uh, or you get this page, rather, that asks for your name and your email address. That's pretty much it. Uh, and then you get notifications about when we do live streams. So, like, we gave away an Alienware laptop a week or two, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, when uh, Rivet was out here rivet networks was out here to show killer networking and do some demos and talk about technology and talk about networking in general we gave away laptop you guys maybe missed that because you weren't a part of this live stream we gave you a whole day notice for that one so pcpro.com slash subscribe to sign up for that list and do so immediately uh or else i'll be pissed and i don't want to be mad it's the holidays yeah let's move on articles reviews things of that nature more you posted uh, a review of the Asus. What am I looking at here? X99E WS USB 3.1. I'm guessing that that designation, as we look at it here in the title, tells me that um, this motherboard existed previous to having USB 3.1 integrated on it. Is that right? Correct. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Asus basically, when uh, USB 3.1 started hitting, they refreshed uh, almost their entire line with uh, USB 3.1 controllers. Most of the time, they're using uh, AS Media controllers, but uh, some vendors actually use Intel controllers too. Intel allows USB 3.1 to go over its Thunderbolt bus. So, oh. uh, but in this case, for this motherboard uh, and for most of the ASUS motherboards, they use uh, the AS Media chipset. 
Um, and the uh, WS designation means it's part of the workstation line. Um, this, this is basically their flagship in the workstation line. I mean, it is a little pricey. Yeah, how much is it? it? Like, like this is like a thousand dollars, right? What? No, it's about it's about a uh, little under five fifty. A little uh, under five fifty, so five forty nine. That's not a thousand dollars. No, I was I was being facetious. This see by placing that level on it, oh. people are like, "Oh man, five forty nine sounds a like deal. a what a discount, right?" Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's what I was doing. Okay. Anyway, continue. So, um, so this motherboard is based on the X ninety nine chipset. It supports um, the Haswell E processors. Uh, it has an integrated PLX chip on it, uh, which is what the uh, there's a chipset to the left of the CPU socket. That's what's covering under that heatsink there. That's also why it has so many PCIe X16 slots on it. It will support, uh, what I believe it supports uh, full X16 over four slots. That's a check lot. Here. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, the PLX chip really gives it some. Let me just check on that real quick. By um, 16 link. By yeah, by 16 four-way it'll do because of the uh, with either a 40 lane or the 28 lane CPU and that's because of the PLX chip most times on the X99 boards you're limited to X8 at most over four-way SLI gotcha. and that's with a 40 lane CPU because they don't add an extra PLX chip that's one of the reasons why the board costs so much because the PLX chip adds quite a bit of money to the price of the board Gotcha. Oh. Now I'm looking at the the picture here supplied at the back panel. That are those all, so the the regular blue is USB three, and those kind of tealish blue are USB three point one. Is that right? Correct. Yep. The teal, the teal are uh, AS Media three point one. They 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 are Type A slots. They it, this board doesn't have any Type C slots. Type C slots are the reversible smaller slots. Gotcha. Um, the uh, as far as uh, the USB slots on the back uh, they're split between the AS media controller and the Intel controller they're not all controlled by the Intel controller gotcha so uh, there's a, they also have a few um, what's those ESATA uh, ESATA ports on the back oh, those yeah. red ports you don't see those very often anymore no uh, they have their USB uh, BIOS flashback which allows you to basically um, recover the board if, if, if you mess up the board uh, and uh, to the point where the BIOS doesn't operate, you can actually um, right. recover the board by pressing a button. You uh, load the BIOS onto a uh, What's the f- USB stick and hook it up to this the uh, specialized port. What's the file folder button looking thing right here? The the top one you mean? Oh, yeah. okay. That one is for the Q code. That one will actually uh, print out um, Q code uh, debug debug stuff huh. to a uh, connected. Um, what USB stick as well in a, in a text file, I believe. Interesting. Yep. So, right. so what, what in this board? Because like, so it, it's a workstation class board, meaning that it has a specific feature set. Uh, you know, like the the huge amount of PCIe connectivity is part of that. Um, the dual gigabit Intel Ethernet, I guess, is a part of that. What kind of features really stand out to you on this on this product? Right. Like, are there? Is it the PCI integration? Because I mean, Jesus, look at all those slots. Like, that's a lot of slots. Yeah, I mean, this this board, the workstation board, is usually meant for uh, graphic artists, uh, people who are doing heavy, heavy rendering, number crunching, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that need a lot of video. Uh, it also has, let's see, it has uh, two SATA Express slots on it and uh, eight 
SATA ports on it. So, I mean, it's got a huge amount of SATA connections, and it also has an M.2 slot on it. So you have a lot of options with this port. It, now, it doesn't have Wi-Fi, but, you know, that that really depends on, you know, on you sure. if that matters or not. Yeah. Um, but both of the... Both of the NICs are Intel-based NICs, so they are both super fast and very stable, form very well. Um, dual, you know, they, uh, dual gigabit Intel on a workstation board is probably the version that can do the multi-link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. will. They do support multi-link teaming, that kind of thing. Um, they also uh, have the dual, uh, what the um, the dual ATX 12 volt pins to supply, mm. or sorry, connectors to supply plenty of. Power yep. to the uh, CPU. Looks like there's two USB 3.1 front panel connectors. Are those USB 3? No, those are USB 3. They don't okay. have. Uh, there are, there, I haven't seen any USB 3.1 headers. It's gotcha. u- usually they're just uh, slots on the board. Probably when, uh, w- once the new uh, Intel chipsets are coming out, we may start seeing that once they suck the uh, USB 3.1 ports into the chipset itself. But you know that's pure speculation on my part. You know we'll know better next spring. So would you consider this board to be kind of equivalent to like? Well, would this be the highest end board ASUS makes for this, or would you go with like one of the ROG series boards? Right. It seems like to me, if I were going to spend five hundred fifty dollars on a motherboard, you're either looking at this or you're looking at the ROG. Which one is that? The um, Rampage. The Rampage Five. Right. Yeah. To yep. me, like the added capability of all these PCI Express slots, the the PLX chip, and all that stuff seems like more my style for a five hundred dollar board mm-hmm. than the extras you get with the ROG. What do you think on that, Maury? I, again, it depends on what you're going to use the board for. If you want to go for looks and style, you're probably going to go more for the ROG board. The ROG board also has that uh, nice OC panel thing. Um, you know, if you want, you know, if if you just want the sheer power and be able to, you know, use all of the uh, PCI PCIe slots at full speed, yeah. then you go for this. But if you're ga- if you really if you're gaming, there, you know, there's really, I mean, there people have done tests again and again on it, and there's really no difference between X8 and X16 at this point. Games right. just don't use bandwidth, Agreed. and video cards aren't able to push the bandwidth. What about the uh, the extra overclocking, like front panel thing aside, like? How does does this board overclock? Like, are all the kind of options the same as like a Rampage Five? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we had I had some hiccups with the overclocking, but I also had some problems with the. Uh, I think my Corsair cooler, my H100, is finally uh, going uh, biting the dust on me. So um, that that was uh, that was more the limitation limiting factor than the board was. I mean, it was able to still push it up to four dot four. Um, you know, which my chip is rated usually goes up to four dot five. So. Okay. But it was still it still ran the memory, you know. At um, you know, at, at, I think it still ran the thirty two hundred memory fine and everything else. So, um, really, I mean, there's not much. Even I, we we um, for the whole X ninety nine series, we've not really seen much differences in overclocking capabilities. Uh, ASUS really has stepped up their game with the Z one seventies and the X ninety nines as far as craftsmanship and design, and um, you know, putting. Uh, not not skimping on CPU related features. So, so it looks like Amazon had this listed at five eleven, uh, five hundred eleven dollars. Yeah. It's okay. not bad for an X ninety nine board. I mean, it's up there. I mean, well it's, now it's, it's it's more though. Now it's, it's about five fifty. It's kind of yeah. as loaded as you can load one of those boards. Though, I mean, like. if you look at this picture, of this board, there's really no PCB space left untouched, yeah. right? Um, seven yeah. full length PCI Express slots, eight 
dim slots, a huge processor socket, right? I mean, you've got, like you said, you've got the two 8-pin power connectors back there. Um, yeah. Is there M.2? Oh, right here. Yeah, that's There's right there. M.2, yeah. The M.2 placement is actually really nice being, uh, you know, to the lower left of the chipset cooler. It's out of the way unless you're using that fourth P- uh, PCIe slot, which most people won't be doing. Right. So. It should still tuck under uh, even a oh, large Oh, oh easily, yeah. I'm yeah. just saying that if you if you actually want to get to it. And CMOS battery, as everyone always makes fun of me about. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that the placement. Way, there, so. way up there. This is, yeah. I think Maury's finally affected change in the industry. They, they, <laughs> they knew it was coming, so they put it up in the most accessible spot. That yeah. is ideal battery placement. It is. Nothing's going to block that. Sebastian, how many processor sockets could you fit on this or... Well, I mean, just count the PCIe's. Those you can yeah. use those just the same. You know, seven-way uh, CPU riser cards. Yeah, you'd have to take the coolers off of them and just get down to the bare PCB. It would be yeah. water cooled. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. immersion water cooling. I yes. have my own modified system. Immersion. That's oh, that's right. The ice. It's the ice, it's ice cube ice systems. Cube. Yeah, it's yeah. ice. Yeah. It's hooked up to my um, refrigerator's ice cube maker, and just, the it just well, constantly well, drops a new one like every thirty blocks. seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. All right. Hey, Maury, real quick. Do either the ROG or this workstation boost the i7? All right. You 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 broke up a little bit there. there, Say that again. Okay. Do either this X99E workstation board or the ROG boards also accept Xeon processors, or are these strictly just for the, the consumer processors? If... They, if they are uh, what the 2011 V3 form factor, then they should work fine. It's really more of a socket configuration rather than the family. I mean, it's you know they just have to they have to conform to the socket uh, the, the the okay socket make yeah. yeah. And does this board support ECC memory? That I don't know. I mean, I don't have any ECC memory to uh, test. See, it I'm with, looking on their so. site and it just shows non ECC unbuffered, so it might not. It, yeah. I'd be surprised if it did. I mean, ECC memory is kind of something that they've really relegated to server-specific boards, you know, okay. boards uh, coming from a supermicro, those kind of places. Yeah, um, the, uh, the um, ACES workstation boards have historically supported the Xeons that are pin-compatible with, like, whatever that, you yeah. know, X-series, especially the X-series. We'll talk about in a little bit another motherboard that, that goes a little bit. Well, a couple of motherboards that actually go beyond that. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, if I one one thing to say about the ECC memory, I'm actually looking at the specs right now. Yeah. It looks like I didn't test this, but it looks like if you're using the board in conjunction with the Xeon E5 1600, it will support ECC memory. So. Okay. It's got to be DDR4, of course, but it'll, right. it looks like it'll support it. Cool. Uh, move on to a couple of other things here. I posted my review of the Surface Book and the Surface Pro 4, um, the, Microsoft's latest laptop slash tablets. Um, I feel like I've talked about these a lot throughout, like building up because I yeah. got them in initially, and then you know I had you know thirty plus days with these before before sending them back. Um, I actually really really like both of these machines. So here are some you know we're looking at photos of the Surface Pro 4. Um, the hinge on the Surface Pro 4 continues to impress me if you have the table space for it. If you're trying to work with it on your lap, it's actually kind of a pain in the ass to use um, because if that part 
the, your, uh, your the knees need part. to be far enough out right which means it. you have to have the keyboard close to you yep. the keyboard is still an add-on it's an extra i don't know of any i can't think of a good use case why you would ever buy the the surface pro 4 tablet and not want the keyboard trackpad yeah. with it um because windows 10 is still not fantastic in its tablet form factor it's okay it's fine it works but to me, you're wasting most of the functionality of the device if you refuse to get a keyboard and uh, and, and touchpad with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Surface Book 4, a completely unique thing. Obviously, if you look at that, that doesn't look like anything we've ever really tested or seen before. It worked exceedingly well. Um, we had... A couple of crashes on removal of the devices where, um, you know, you're supposed to hold a button down on the keyboard and then you wait for a software notification that says, hey, you can remove the tablet and you disconnect it. Yep. Um, a couple of times I would hold the button down. It would turn – the button would turn green. The light on the button would turn green. But I didn't get the software notification yet and I just said, oh, it's probably fine. And I pulled it off. And then you get, hot removed uh, the uh, – Yeah, you get a nice blue screen. Did the equivalent of yanking your video card out of your PC? Uh, essentially, that's what you did, right? Because it yeah. was still probably utilizing the NVIDIA GPU on the, on the – uh, <laughs> screen side there um you know i use a surface pen on it i'm not an artist i'm not scott i don't use it for that type of stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, but for note taking is actually really really nice i would love to have one of these integrated into kind of my everyday Mm -hmm. workflow um for for those purposes because what i do here is is i do a lot of testing taking down notes what was my test configuration what settings was i running etc and i still use like a pad of paper and a pen that i keep in my backpack with me all like a journalist right uh and, and having that the benefit of having that kind of in a digital format that then gets uploaded to OneNote. Luddite. Yeah, I know. I used a, a, a paper calendar for way too long as well. Um, but it worked really well. I think the, magnet, the magnetic kind of attachment system is, is pretty good. Uh, you do have to worry about it maybe coming off in your backpack. Right? Yeah, I would Especially if you put the pin down. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right? It's going to put the weight on it and maybe shift and, and dislodge the magnetic side on it. Um, keyboards were, were surprisingly good. Even so, on the Surface Pro 4, you get this, you know, the, the, what they call it, the Type Pad 4, the Type Pad 4, Surface Pro 4, I forget what it's called. But it's, it's surprisingly good key throw, surprisingly good touchpad. Um, I would absolutely put it on par with the keyboard and touchpad experience uh, with the Dell XPS 13, which says a lot. Actually, um, the keyboard on the Surface Book was way better, though. It had larger keys, more key travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trackpad was bigger. Uh, they're both glass, but they both felt great. Had really solid click to them. Uh, the, the keyboard was fantastic. Uh, if, if you're deciding, if you're if you're if you're a, if you type a lot, you write a lot. Uh, I think you'll like the keyboard on the Surface Book as much as any other laptop keyboard i've ever used uh yeah here's that ready to detach notification if you try to pull the tablet off of the device before that green the notification comes with the right hand screen that will be poor it will be a bad result and and it's not supposed to let you right like it's yes i agree right so like when you hold the button down on the keyboard um some kind of software it, thing is supposed to happen. A software thing is supposed to, like, it's supposed to solve the software process yep. of dislodging it. Plus a Moving mechanical. the electrical mechanical part yeah. out of, the, like, the, the, the dislodge the spring, essentially, or whatever it is. Uh, and then give you the notification. Wire. What's yeah, that? Muscle wire. Yeah, muscle they call wire. it muscle wire. Uh, that, that, that's a thing outside the Muscle wire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but something was going wrong in that order, right? It, like, it, it's I could hear it dislodge. Yeah. Like, I could hear the little... Meep. 
thing, the little electrical thing of the of the wire being moved out of the way, but the notification had come up, and I would kind of wait, and I'd go, ah, it's probably fine. It, it It's weird. <laughs> you always hear the lock disengage before the notification pops up, so you'd think they'd try to do the software side before yes. yeah. disengaging think, the lock. You would think they would want the software to, to be done before disengaging. Yeah. Maybe there's some re- like they have to actually detach it before they can switch over or something Maybe. like that. I don't know. So that I mean that caused me a couple of hiccups, um, but I, I will say, you know, the Surface Book is the one that has the option. You can get the NVIDIA discrete GPU in the base. Yep. Uh, it's a very modest GPU. What is it? Three hundred eighty-four CUDA cores, nine hundred fifty megahertz clock speed. You know, five gigahertz GDDR five memory, sixty-four um, bit memory bus. Like it's a very modest kind of on par with the GeForce nine forty M series GPU. One gig of frame buffer. Mm. You know, it, it improved gaming. It probably doubled seventy to one hundred percent improvement in gaming performance. If that's something you're interested in, obviously it's for a specific type of games, not for Grand Theft Auto and and uh, uh, things like that. But more mainstream titles, you want to play like Bioshock Infinite, you want to play Skyrim. Those type of things are definitely improved with this. You get improvements in any you know you know Photoshop, Premiere, anything that uses OpenCL. We'll see an improvement with this as well. Um, but it is it's kind of a pricey upgrade to add it on there. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, from terms of connectivity and ports, as somebody who has lamented the reduction of ports on laptops, surface devices are not really going to help you much there. The surface pro four has one USB port. The surface book has two. Um, the surface book, if you detach it from the base has zero USB ports. Um, both USB ports are in the base. Uh, they both have been a display port, they both have uh, memory card readers. The book has a full size. The uh, Pro 4 has mini or a micro SD, rather. Um, so differences there. Uh, battery life was, was actually really good. On the Surface Pro 4, what's interesting here is Surface Pro 4 is rated at having a 51, no, I'm sorry, a 38 watt hour battery. Relatively small when it comes to, I think uh, my XPS 13 has a 52 watt our battery, uh, but it was able to get uh, five point. There it is. Second, second entry there. Five point seven eight hours in our kind of fairly strenuous Wi-Fi battery test. Um, but if you look above that, the Surface Book, it got nine point two three hours of battery life, like a huge increase. Now it does that because it has sixty nine watt hours of battery, eighteen in the tablet and fifty one in the keyboard dock. So your battery life on just the tablet, if you would ever want to use it for that purpose, is going to be relatively low. Um, but overall. It is very, very, very good as a as a laptop combination, um, uh, to, to, in totality, I guess, uh, for battery life. So that makes its portability good. Both all these devices, both these devices are fairly light, uh, fairly portable. The Surface Pro Four folds flatter. It's smaller. It's lighter. Uh, the Surface Book is definitely heavier than the Pro Four. A little bit bulkier to carry around, but. You know, they're not they're not MacBook Airs. Essentially, I guess is is what I'm saying. They're not they're not. Um, Svelte and sleek in that way. Performance-wise, Skylake is good. I don't know what else to say. Skylake performs well. You're looking at 20 to 25 to 30 percent faster in benchmarks if you compare it to like a Core i5 of uh, Broadwell processors. If you look at this, you know, handbrake performance. You're looking at both Skylake processors are about 130 frames per second. The Dell XPS 13 is like 100 frames per second. So uh, that's that's a pretty sizable increase. Again. Because you're getting longer battery life, you're getting more efficient processor, and you happen to get better performance as well. Uh, and you can see the single-threaded performance gap there, and then you can see the multi-threaded performance gap there as well. So check out the, the full review if you want to really study those those benchmarks further. In terms of gaming, um, 
I tested both the Surface Pro 4 and the Surface Book. Obviously, the Surface Book had a lot better run-through, right? So here's Rocket League uh, running at 64 frames per second on the Book, 46 frames per second on the Pro 4. You know, Bioshock Infinite, 47 frames per second versus 83. It's a pretty, pretty sizable jump. And then in Skyrim, uh, we couldn't, I couldn't disable. This was one of the interesting things, right? So it's using an NVIDIA GPU, but it's not using the regular GeForce driver. It's using like kind of a customized one because yeah. so, you don't have access to all the settings you would normally have. So like an OEM-ish kind of. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so what I'm used to be able to do is you have to go into the control panel and disable VSync yep. you know, for Skyrim to run uncapped. And even you after, do that even after you enable the INI file or modify the INI yeah. file. And you couldn't do that on the Surface Book. I could not find a way to go into any kind of NVIDIA or Intel control panel settings and, and adjust VSync. It seems like something you should be able to adjust regardless, like... Right, like they yeah, should fix that. In other words, they I should add. I that. don't know. Like it's, I don't think they will. Let's put it this way, because it's really? it's a custom part. It's not like a branded part from Nvidia. They're not selling it to other people. Um, yeah, but it's Nvidia, not like Microsoft is taking it and util- and integrating it in one system in a very specific way. Right, I'm not looking for the whole GFE thing, all that. I'm just looking for like like VSync on off. Like that should be in the driver. Like that's this would be like the only thing that doesn't have VSync on off setting on it. Like I don't know if the Intel integrated graphics I think allows you could disable that setting. I haven't looked in the NVIDIA integrated graphic control panel very often. Hmm. Um, oh, you mean the Intel one? Yeah, right. I'm saying if, we, if it didn't have the integrated or the discrete GPU on it, would you even be able to do it then? Um, that aside, so there are, there's a little bit of, there's little quirks like that. Like you don't have the full driver, and also that means you don't know when you're going to get driver updates. Because you it's can't true. just go to GeForce.com and download the latest driver or download from, GFE and get the latest driver. Yeah, it'll only that. be from Microsoft, basically. Yes. Yeah. It'll be through Microsoft, push through Windows Update. Yep. Uh, and you hope that they're, you know... They should be better about that specific I would hope so. hardware. I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, but I do worry that, that that driver will just become kind of long in the tooth and outdated. And hmm. um, in, a, in a lower performance platform, like lower performance GPU, where optimization is more important... Than yeah. like if you're running a 980 Ti, um, something to keep an eye on. Uh, pricing. Here's a table that looks at all this stuff. Um, they're expensive. You can get the Surface Book as high as three thousand one hundred ninety nine dollars. Good lord! Uh, if you get the Core i7 processor, sixteen gigs of memory, one terabyte NVMe SSD, Intel uh, Plus NVIDIA discrete GPU, thirty one ninety nine. That's a lot of dollars. Uh, for comparison, the Surface Pro 4 has a Core i7, 16 gig, one terabyte integrated option, $2699. So it's $500 less expensive for not having the NVIDIA GPU, slightly smaller screen, you know, smaller battery life, that type of stuff. If you want to go entry level, you can go down on the Surface Book. You can get, I kind of like the Surface Book option because it's the minimum is a Core i5 with 8 gigs of memory. 128 gig NVMe SSD, which is not very, it's not really big, but it's 14.99, still pretty steep. Yeah. Uh, the Surface Pro 4 goes down to 8.99 if you want a Core M3 iteration, right? So not a Core i5. Uh, it only has four gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage. It's 8.99. Um, if I were to buy one of either of these, I would probably go with the second column here: the Core i5, eight gigs, 256 gig SSD. That's sixteen ninety nine for the Surface Book and twelve ninety nine for the Surface Pro Four. So you're paying four four hundred dollars more for the Surface Book than the Surface Pro Four. Now you've got to add in what did we say the price of that was, Ken? 
the the touchpad like is like 160 bucks. Yeah. So you mean they're that, going from 13 to 1470. The type cover. The type. Cover. The type cover. Yeah. That's 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 what so you're talking about. Two hundred. Let's say it's two. Let's say it's two hundred and thirty dollar difference between the book and the Surface Pro Four. And you're getting bigger screen, longer battery life. That's pretty much uh, what what you're looking at there. They're just both way overpriced. Yeah. If, if you compare it to something like the Yoga 900, which is what twelve hundred bucks. That's what I'm using here. For, uh, yeah. For like, the like i7 6500, uh-huh. 256 gig, NVMe SSD, eight gigs of RAM. It's what twelve twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, twelve hundred for that. Yeah. It's a big price high difference. Res, high res display, like a similar resolution. Display. It is not the same aspect ratio, but nope. yeah, sixteen by nine. So uh, like it, the my, the Surface. Products are built better, but you're paying a lot. There, that's more what I'll for say. That. Like the keyboard on this is not nearly as good as the keyboard on either of those mm-hmm. Surface devices. I would even say even on the type cover. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say that. Even even if you start to compare the Surface Book pricing to a MacBook Pro Retina, it's out of whack. And the Pro Retina is the 25 watt CPUs, not the 15 watt CPUs. Yeah, I like to see what the battery life is on those two. If honestly for me, I was fairly close to so I bought these units for review. Uh, they weren't sent to me by Microsoft. I, th- I, I was kind of, if I were to keep one, I would have kept the Surface Book. Right? It's, it was expensive. It, the one that I had was $18.99. Yep. The Core i5, 8 gigs, 256, NVIDIA GPU. But it did uh, have the better graphics. and Yeah, it had yeah. better graphics. The better, it had extended battery life. It was a bigger screen. It was Even better nice keyboard than the on. type cover. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it had the ability to flip it into a tablet like a writing mode, use the pen, do all that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's a good $600 more than I paid for my XPS 13 last year. Right. Um, and I just, and then I was like, ah, I, I'm fine. Had I not bought this last year and it's still been on an older, you know, X230 or something, Lenovo. It still kills me that that came it. out last year and we're still looking at stuff that has come out now. Now look at the size of the bezel on this. Yeah. On this yoga. Yeah, but it has right. a webcam that doesn't look up your nose. That's true. Uh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> no, no there are sacrifices to everything. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's my take on the uh, Surface Pro 4 and Surface Book. I think they're really, really good devices. I think maybe part of it might be Microsoft not wanting to make the prices really good to piss off that Lenovo absolutely and has Dell to be what it is. and some of those guys. Like, you know, they want to prove that, hey, look, these are the form factors everybody likes. Do this, dummy. Right? Oh. Like, that's the kind of thing that I would imagine them doing. Like, so it's more like a proof of concept you can buy. Kinda, but you know, Kinda. I mean, they're gonna serve, they're gonna sell it, they're gonna service yeah. it, they're gonna. The Surface it. Pro Three sold pretty damn well. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people yeah. that bought the Surface Pro Three, yeah. but actually. that didn't seem as steeply priced as these do. I don't think the pricing changed really. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't was, know. I, 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 I could I mean, be wrong you, on that. If you look at these two, the Surface Pro Four is obviously the most. It's the more reasonable. The more reasonable. Yeah. One right, and the book is is just new enough, different enough to, for them to be like, ah, I don't know, four hundred bucks. Yeah. Right yeah. and kind of yeah. Ne- next year when they chop off three hundred, it will yeah a lot. Yeah, we'll see. It will be like a big change. Well, Alan's Alan's onto something though, saying that they do price them high because I mean, uh, Mary Jo Foley and uh, Paul Thorat both have said that Microsoft wants OEMs to pick them up and pick up their designs and make their own Surface books. It just hasn't happened. You know, it's it's yeah. that's a tough market. Yep, it is. It is. Uh, anybody any other thoughts on this? We'll move on. Um, let's. Uh, so anyway, check out that review. It was an interesting write-up because it was like after I had used it for thirty days or so. Yep. Uh, it wasn't like here I had it for a week. Let's see what it what it does. Uh, and I think that changes a lot about 
things like notebooks and phones. Um, up next, we have a quick little video. Uh, AMD sent us some hardware. They sponsored a video build, a system build, rather, on video, I guess I should say, uh, in uh, in conjunction with Star Wars Battlefront, right? So that's you know an AMD title, I guess, one they're using for promo with marketing. Yep. So they sent us a, a video card, a motherboard, a processor, a monitor, those are the four. Th- those are the four things they sent over. FreeSync, I assume. Yeah, FreeSync monitor. Cool. They basically said we want to, you know, here's the AMD componentry. Mm-hmm. Build a system around this, you know. Make a video about it. Yeah, make a video about it. Tell and, people about it. And yeah. to be honest with you, we haven't built an AMD system in a while. That's true. And I thought, okay, fine, let's do this. So, um, and again, then we were doing it kind of in. Hey, you know, Star Wars is pretty popular right now. Hey, right. Let's do that. Hey, you guys know this guy R2 Datu? You ever heard of him? <laughs> No, no. Uh, so you can see the whole list of componentry here: FX eighty three seventy, Cooler Master Hyper two twelve Evo, the world's most popular cooler, I think, ever. Yes, oh, okay. it's like a twenty nine dollar air cooler. Um, we don't have one lying around. It's in that case, uh, oh. but it's, it's like because we built this system. Yeah. Uh, that I feel like it's been around forever. Yeah. Uh, but it's just it just. If it's a good cooler, if it ain't broke, it keeps being good for thirty bucks, right? Like it's yeah. hard. It's hard for people to complain. It keeps being good. No one's changed the heatsink mount in five years, so. right? <laughs> it just continues true, to yeah. work. Um, Are you listening, Intel? Don't change your damn heatsink <laughs> or AMD. The yeah. MSI nine ninety FXA gaming motherboard, which is actually it's one hundred thirty seven dollars, pretty low cost, it has USB three point one support on, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's kind of neat. Uh, eight gigs of memory. Actually, for some reason, I didn't put the eight gigs in there. That was stupid in the in the table. Uh, a Sapphire Nitro Radeon R nine three eighty X two hundred sixty six bucks. A two hundred forty gig Sandisk Ultra two SSD. Not the fastest SSD, but if we're trying to make it budget for seventy nine dollars, it's a good budget SSD. You know, it's it's hard to it's hard to find one uh, much better than that. Corsair Carbide three hundred R case we had here. A Seasonic power supply for about seventy bucks, and then the monitor was the AOC G twenty four sixty PF. I'd never used this monitor before. Yeah, it's yeah. a ten eighty p one hundred forty four hertz TN FreeSync panel. Okay, essentially, but now that you have uh, low frame rate compensation as part of the Radeon Crimson driver. Yep. Right. Suddenly, those what was monitors the number that have on fairly that? high 40, 40? 44 was, to 144 or 40 to 144. It was 40-something, low 40s. Like 42 maybe, yeah. to 44. But it doesn't matter. So now that you've got low frame rate compensation on there, it's like, like okay, some of these older monitors, maybe not older, but like previous generation like TN yep. panels that have FreeSync support, this was only 250 bucks for that monitor. That's pretty good. That's that's amazing for yeah. a variable. Isn't that like the lowest cost we've seen for a variable refresh uh, panel? Probably. I, I don't know the if Nexus was might like have been 330, I think. Yeah, yeah. the Nexus cost yeah. more than that. Yeah. Like, so, so that's, for 259 bucks, you can get that monitor. That's great for, you know, yeah. it's TN. It's to, TN, right? Like there's the there's that TN versus IPS. We're always going to choose IPS over it, but it looked okay. It was fine. Like again, if you're stationary and you yeah. don't have you know moving around a lot, it's fine. Uh t- Total component cost was nine twenty four. Add in the monitor above that, so we're looking at uh, eleven uh, eighty. That's or funny. So. That's that's a that's a whole system build for what like variable refresh panels initially <laughs> launched at, it's basically true. for that's the true. price. So, right. the and that's system. with the variable refresh panel. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. A, a whole system build that I play any ten eighty p game max. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what like so for me. I was playing. I played some Battlefront on it yesterday. Was it yesterday? Day before yesterday. Yeah. I did some more today, and I was sitting here. The system was sitting on this table. I was you know had pulled a chair up and was playing on it. It played great. I had the case door off. It was pretty much Quiet. silent. Right? I didn't hear it. Um, and it just 
like it just it's like yeah this is fantastic like it yeah. just works right um and we talk all the time about you know if i were to build a system would it be amd or intel and you know everybody seems to make the same choice off the bat but this is you can kind of prove that like if this is the route you want to go like the fx8370 this processor is completely capable of doing all that stuff it's an eight core four module part four gigahertz clock speed um can run through any gaming stuff. If you want to do transcoding, photo editing, video editing, like it's going to have the threads to do that. If you got to do productivity and school stuff, like obviously it has no issue with that. Sure, it runs at a fairly high TDP, but that cooler, this Cooler Master uh, Hyper Two Twelve Evo, had no issue. Has no issues with it. Like I said, it's dirt. It's I said dirt quiet. It is um, <laughs> dirt cheap, cool. dirt cheap and quiet. Yeah, right. Um, so it's it's easy to see that there. You know, cases are very you know. You know, whatever you like to look at all day, I guess. But for sixty-eight bucks, it just works. Like yeah. it's nice, and, it, and it, the build quality is pretty good. Um, and there's our, our video card, and that's the monitor, right? And so and then we have this one benchmark here that I added in today. Um, that I just, you know, with it's a 1080p monitor, set the image quality settings in the game to ultra, their highest settings. What are you comparing it to? Just, just it. Nothing. This oh. is the top. The top set is a single player on Tatooine, the uh, uh, the wave based mission. Oh, different maps on. Yeah, that and then the, okay. the second set is the multiplayer on uh, Hoth. I forget what the name of the the game type is there, uh, but it was one that was in the beta. Those are plenty high refresh yeah, rates. Like, I mean, well, it's like we're averaging seventy four, seventy six. Yeah, which is actually a perfect way to demonstrate variable refresh as yep. well right like because we're not you would be in between steppings there mm-hmm. uh and you would see horizontal tearing or, or whatever and so this just was smooth it was great whatever um awesome it, you know it just it just worked like i, I i'm not gonna say i'm surprised about it but it, it had been a while since i was just like all right let's just build a system and play a game on it like we always seem to have some specific goal or we have some like let's make it the smallest system we can build, or let's make it the most powerful system we can build, or let's use water cooling. And this was like I don't know. Here's twelve hundred dollars for the parts. That seems like a pretty reasonable pretty budget good performance with a monitor for, yeah. for somebody like just starting out. Yep, build a system that someone might actually build. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to you know the five hundred fifty dollars motherboard that Mori brought us earlier that very few people are going to be utilizing just because of the cost. Yeah, you know. Um, so check that out. I think we're gonna do. We're gonna arrange a giveaway for that monitor, um, just because I don't. We don't want to put it on a shelf. Essentially, we got a lot. Of we monitors. had to. We built a shelf. We and built then a shelf and, and it's full. So now immediately fill the shelf with yeah, monitors. Yeah. I know. Such so is life. yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. See, people in the chat room are saying we should give it away, but. What we're, we're like some of the components in that system build are things that we have here that we use all the time. Oh yeah, the power supply, the SSD, the yeah. cooler. We need those here. <laughs> Otherwise, I would just I would give away the whole system. Uh, but check that out. We did a little video on it, um, and uh, yeah, there you go. You can get a list of all the components and pricing and links to Amazon if you want to build something like that for yourself. Um, the options are there. Uh, so let's see what do we got here. As he stalls. Um, Oh, we're into the ad break here. We are. We're into our our holiday uh, ad break, which means it's time to thank everybody's favorite mattress sponsor, Casper. Casper. You know, I have a story that can lead into this, actually. Uh, Is it going to be an okay one? Yeah. Okay, go for it. So I'm in Tampa, and there's not enough beds in the house. Mm. And my wife and I needed to go to a house along with a bunch of other family, and there just was not enough beds. And here's the problem. 
it's not a Casper story because we needed one immediately. Right. But it's a horrible experience at like <laughs> I literally was just needed to go into a mattress place and just pick like the cheapest mattress and just be in and out. Yeah. And this old lady could not figure out how to use the computer system at the place. <laughs> like, it was the owner's, like, mom or something running the joint. And, like, 45 minutes later, she's on the phone with her son. Like, dealing dealing like, with retail sucks. Uh, it, was, it, it was a nightmare. And it was just, like, yeah. I, like, all I was thinking the whole time was pretty much, like, why couldn't I just order this online? And, like, I should have just done it that way. Yeah. And just waited. Just slept on the floor for, like, a day or two or something. Yeah. Because it was just... It was horrible. It was just so bad. And I still had to wait, like, to the next day to get right. it. Yeah, it's not like you... Yeah. Yeah, because they had to deliver it. Right. So, yeah, it was just... Uh. Well, here's how you fix all that, Alan. You go to Casper. Casper's an online retailer of mattresses. <laughs> premium mattresses. Fraction of the cost. Uh, they're revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing it on to the consumer which, again, would have been another benefit for you. Yep. Uh, a Casper mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress. It's, a, it's at a fair price. It uses two technologies, latex and memory foam, to come together for better nights and brighter days. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right amount of sink and a bounce. It provides long-lasting comfort and support. Um, I, that's, a, that's actually the mattress I use. The, the, the mattress that me and my wife and sometimes my child and sometimes three dogs use are all on the mattress is all on 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 a on casper a queen or a mattress. king it's a king king That's it's a, a king yeah, yeah i mean at King's that point big mattress it's not big enough I came in say. a pretty small relatively small box comes in a very small box yeah. not very small box but it comes in a much smaller than king size mattress box yep uh and then it poof at the appropriate time when you, <laughs> when, you, when you wave your hand <laughs> slash cut open the box not while the it's back. in the mail truck yeah it actually, it's actually great. You can buy it easily online. It's completely risk-free. You can try sleeping on it for 100 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to like go and test it in a showroom and have that old lady like look at you and stare at you while you're sitting there. Uh, that seems a little uncomfortable. Um, An old lady. Or any lady, for that matter. Or, or a man. I don't want anybody staring at me while I'm trying to test out a mattress in a, sh- in a brightly lit showroom. Uh, but so you can get 100 days on this. Uh, if you don't like it, they will take it back. They'll come collect it. They'll, they'll either, I think they donate it to like a local shelter hmm. type of thing. That's cool. Um, they're all made in the USA. And let's see, you can actually get, so Casper mattresses are $50, $500 for a twin, $950 for a king. Compared to industry averages, that's actually a pretty outstanding yeah, that is a deal. Uh, and you can save an additional $50 as one of PC Perspective's audience members by going to casper.com slash PCPer and entering the promo code PCPer. That's casper.com slash PCPer and use promo code PCPer. Uh, and we thank Casper for their support of the PC Perspective podcast and never have a crappy mattress retail buying experience again. You know what's funny about this? I will say, when my, months ago, when Casper first started advertising with this, my mom was kind of like, eh, you know, okay, sure. But now she's seen, like, Casper ads on, like, TV, and now she thinks it's we're It's the best awesome. thing. Yeah. Well, now she thinks we're awesome because they advertised with us first oh. before she saw them on TV. Good job, Casper. Good job, Casper. Uh, and thank you again for your support. Let's get into some news items. ECS announces a Leva mini PC with an Intel Core processor. Sebastian... Are you ready to add to the stack? Uh, yeah. I mean, I only had three, so this will be a nice <laughs> even number. The They already had a model that was their core model. It had one of those Broadwell M, the 5Y10C. 
sure. processors in it. I'm looking at Newegg right now, and those are 400 bucks. The Leva typically has been like this $150 mini PC. There wasn't a whole lot to their announcement, so they didn't say what it would be. I'm assuming 6th gen. I think it was like a Skylake of some kind, so hopefully it's more powerful than the Core M. Gotcha. But that, and it'll be less expensive, I would assume. So we'll see yeah. what's coming at CES. Oh, we will. Oh, we the will existing see. Leva, like the X2 that I reviewed, it was a Braswell. So it's a very low power, very low performance part. Yeah. Yeah, we need to move beyond that crap, I think. Um, HTC Vive headset controllers allegedly leaked out. This is what they look like, I guess. Um, I, you know, it's interesting because about six, eight months ago, I would have thought that this quarter would have been the shitstorm of virtual reality headsets all being released. It was always supposed to be Q1. Uh, Vive was supposed to be this year. And they said in limited quantities. Yeah, no, but like eight months year. ago, it was going to be released. And then they kind of updated and said it was going to be limited quantities this year. And I don't know if if Oculus, when they said Q1 of next year, but that's what that is now. And now there's rumors of the Vive being pushed back to Q2 of next year. So this, this is all getting pushed back a little bit. Uh, but you can see the headset there. It looks... Like Swiss, like a block of Swiss cheese to me, <laughs> a little. Um, and these are what the controllers will look like. I got to use a prototype of this a couple of weeks ago. It is actually pretty, pretty impressive. Um, now, what what I'm very curious about, and here's what a goofy person looks like. Oh, darn it! Uh, what a goofy person looks like when they're using it. Let me close that window out. Um, and I'm sure I looked at least as bad as that while using it. The problem I have with those controllers is you have to have a room kind of dedicated to this, not just a space. Like when you use Microsoft Connect, you could like move your couch out of the way, move your table out of the way. Um, now you seem to have to dedicate an entire room to it with like two cameras, one, two, two different angles. That way they're, they're kind of cross-looking uh, at you. And I, don't, I just don't know if people are going to have space for this. Or the desire to create a room dedicated with this amount of space yeah. for it. Uh, and I know I was listening to the Giant Bombcast. They were talking about, are they going to release it as just the headset first and then sell the controllers and the cameras as like an add-on after the fact? Will they launch it just as a package out front? Like, are they going to expect people to want to use that in that way? Right I mean, if you think about the people who are going to adopt VR in the beginning while they're still figuring out all the, like, the positional tracking problems, there it's, it's going to be the people who will, will dedicate a room to it, essentially. It's crazy people. Yeah, who will spend probably think, $500 on a headset, need a see, $500 GPU to run it. I think the crazy people are the ones that will be willing to buy the headset, period. Right? Exactly. But And you'd have to be even beyond that to dedicate... I'm not sure there are separate sets of people oh, I think they at are. this point. Because I would be willing to buy a headset. You don't count. But I don't think I would be willing to buy <laughs> a setup where I have to have a room have to have a room to use it. Because you don't even count. in this office we don't have space. You for don't that. count because it's significantly easier for you to get set up with this because you don't have to build a gaming computer. You don't have to put fifteen hundred dollars into a gaming computer sure. to run it. It's way less of an investment for you. So say the headset is three hundred bucks. Say the controllers and cameras are three hundred dollars more. Eh, sure. That seems right. a bit off, but I, I, I don't know if there are many people that are willing to like build a computer and buy a headset and buy the stuff. I think there's going to be more people who already have a computer and they're willing to be like, oh, here's a three hundred dollar accessory. Yeah. 
as opposed to here's a $600 accessory and, oh, by the way, you need 240 square feet of empty space so you don't kick your shin into the but, coffee table. But, like, <laughs> you also don't need that. Like, you can just use it as a head-mounted display and you can, VR yes. stuff like we've seen. But the the Vive in particular has just been, more of its demos have been more spatial as opposed to Oculus's demos who are just kind of rolling into being spatial. I don't know. Sebastian, are you going to clean out your basement to uh, make it a 3D <laughs> virtual reality den? The amount of space I have in my basement is basically like pathways between right. between artificial walls of stuff. It's between artificial walls of uh, mother or uh, case computer boxes. case boxes. Yes, that's all I have. I mean, most of my home is actually made from enclosure boxes <laughs> at this point. So, I mean, would you? So, let me let me ask. I'll ask Sebastian more this question. Then, would you be willing to buy a VR headset? Yes, no, and then, are you interested in the larger space aspect of VR headset? Like having having to have a dedicated room with a camera set up, or dedicated space at least. No, right. no. I well, it depends for me. Um, I would definitely not have the uh, room for dedicated space. I mean, I have a fifteen hundred square foot house, so I'm lucky to have my own <laughs> office. Right, Mori, um, Mori. But I, real quick, yeah, my house is seven hundred and eighty square feet. That's smaller. It's, okay, it's well, smaller whatever. than my last apartment was. Right, well, you beat me. Great. Anyway, uh, I really think it depends on how well Microsoft's thing does. Uh, I'm blanking on a name. Oh, uh, HoloLens. HoloLens. Yeah, yeah, the HoloLens. Yeah, because I mean, if Microsoft's HoloLens work works even halfway as good as they've demoed it to work, then this HTC thing will be no more than a comment in history. I mean, it's that the HoloLens just looks like it could. Yeah, that. I think the HoloLens is that would a work. significant step behind. Like, it's going to be way further away yeah. than either the Oculus or the Vive but headset. It is better suited to a small house because it's designed. Like it HoloLens is. is meant to just incorporate into the space. Right, that but it depends on what what your game or application wants to do. That's true. You may yeah. have no interest in carrying. Like, if you're writing, if you're doing a Skyrim in VR, you don't give a crap what, like, oh, is that What's a couch? This coffee Great. table? Well, I'm going to turn this couch into a stone walkway that you can step up. Like, yeah, yeah, but the beautiful thing about an AR headset is, in theory, they could black out the rest of it and you'd have that experience. It's, yeah, but then you have the same issue, is what I'm saying. Like, no, you don't. If you like, black it, out it, an it, AR headset... If you're playing Skyrim or something with a, like, a normal controller, you don't have that issue. Right, but and, you have the same issue. You have the same. It's a, if you black out an AR headset, you have a VR headset. Yeah, like the exact same thing as yeah. the Vive and the, and the Oculus. But but the idea is you don't always have to have it blacked out, which gives it way more possibility to work in different environments. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't think. I uh, think for gaming purposes, the AR side will be fairly minimal. I I, I think you like. I, I think this whole thing about I've seen in other places, not just you, about needing a dedicated room might be a bit exaggerated because like, why wouldn't your office work? You, like you have because a you have a desk and you have chairs and you have d- d- things. But like we don't people know, live in rooms. We don't know that needs to be a completely empty room. But also, though, Ken, you shouldn't need to have multiple cameras set up at specific areas in a room. If I if I wanted a VR headset, I'd want to be able to use my keyboard and mouse for controller. I mean, you can. I really don't care about hand handheld controller, but I don't want to have to set up 
cameras and all that stuff, I want you know to put on the mask, and it has head tracking or whatever in it. it can do it through software, hardware, whatever. Yeah. I shouldn't have to have some both of these thing de- tracking me. Both of these devices do that. The, 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 the two-camera tracking is when you want to be able to stand up, rotate, move your hands in the air, have extra controllers. Like It is a step beyond just VR that we know now. It is you know, interactive, trying to f- simulate interactivity uh, as well. So, I mean, both the Vive and the Oculus will do that. It's just, I think, in my experience, the demos that I have seen is the really, really cool stuff occurs when you implement those two camera simulation the the controllers those types of things so i don't know it's way too early to tell i guess like we we need to see games to be able to tell if any of this matters we'll see uh so anyway what was the story the pictures leaked (laughs) don't step on my vr dreams yeah well they're dead no. Um, let's talk about some motherboards. So somebody in the chat just mentioned it. Both Asus and MSI, right? Is that the other one? Uh, yes. Released E3. Uh, wrong way. E3, E3 processor. E3 motherboards. Pro- motherboards that use the <laughs> C236 chipset oh, to support E3. Xeon E3 processors. Oh. The Asus actually doesn't use the 236. It uses the 232, which oh, I thought was okay. odd. So what... Why? Why are we doing this? What is? Why not? I don't. I don't know. Okay, no, so I asked the, first. I didn't even really understand that these existed, but when I was looking into this story, there are LGA eleven fifty one Xeons now. Right. These E three twelve hundred series V five Xeons that are not expensive. So if you look, compare, and they're sky like they're sixth gen. If you compare a quad core, hyper threaded. Which initially, when I posted this, I was wrong. The $215 uh, V5 Xeon is just a quad core. There's no hyper threading. But mm. you go up to 275 bucks, you're getting a 3 gigahertz, 4 core, 8 thread Skylake part. Not unlocked, but these go all the way up to, I think, um, 3.8 gigahertz with boost okay. on the top end part. But they're still significantly less than going out and buying a 6700K. So if you were to buy one of these boards, which is supposed to be about 175 bucks in the U.S. when they come out here, roughly, then you can buy a under $300 CPU, get all the cores of a i7, maybe do some base clock overclocking. I don't know if these are set up for that. Mm-hmm. I would assume they are. So is this is this a motherboard basically that can support Xeons as well as core Pentium and Celeron? I, yes. Are, are you sure about that? Well, they cl- the well, CPU support says Xeon E3 1200 V5 and 6 Gen Core M Pentium and Celeron okay. processors. So, so the way I understand this whole thing is yeah. that for the past few generations, people have been buying the e, the top of the line E3 or well the like the equivalent to the top of the line i7 version of the E3, which doesn't have integrated graphics and you can sometimes find cheaper. And they have been using them on consumer level motherboards. Okay. However, as far as I understand, with the V5 Xeons. Intel has blocked out Xeon support from the Z-series chipset, mm. so you can no longer do this. So the motherboard manufacturers are coming back and answering to the people who want to buy these Xeons, don't care about integrated graphics, can get them yeah. a little cheaper. That sounds like a pain in the ass to have a separate SKU of motherboard to support this probably, probably fairly small subset of people. That well, are it depends on how big of a difference swapping the out the is. chipset is. Like, is that... A pretty direct swap at this point. It might be. It might be. Like, not a whole lot of board reengineering. You have to de- develop a different BIOS. I mean, these but. looks like this Asus one says, I mean, it's 
let's see, uh, what's what kind of feature support change is it, there? The pretty, it's. I didn't think it was that great. If you look at it electrically, it's only I think a by sixteen and a by four for the PCI Express slots. Yeah, that's normal. I mean, that's that's basically Z one seventy, right? You got a by sixteen from the CPU. You usually have two by eights in SLI mode. Well, you could one by sixteen or. Two by eights, yeah. So yeah. this looks looks like it's only doing one sixteen. Yeah, it's, it's only yeah electrically by four. Okay. And the then the, the the chipset, the C two thirty two only has ten or is it ten lanes? So I don't know. the two thirty six is actually a full twenty lanes. So you're dealing oh, with the the sort of budget part. Gotcha. So that's the ASUS one on the C two thirty two, and if you look at this yeah. MSI over here, this is the C two thirty six. I gotcha. And MSIs were definitely geared more towards professional use they made a big big push for the fact that they support ecc that they use the 236 chipset so they have more pci express lanes hmm. usb 2 usb 3.1 gen 2 AKA and that's by an, an actual usb media controller right it's just like like as you talk about things like i don't know not having the highest end features and not as many pcie lanes I feel like the type of people who buy these Xeon processors are shaving every dollar off, just care about having a processor, a GPU, and a buy 16 slot, the most yeah. expensive GPU they can afford, and just go for it. I wonder how – have they mentioned pricing on either of these uh, boards, guys? The, the Asus, they did release pricing in the UK, which was like 118 pounds, so about $175. It's a heavy board. I have not been able to find the MSI listed anywhere. Um, what was that in dollars yeah. again? One seventy-five. Not bad. I mean, it, but it's not. It's, it's like if you're a budget person. So, so, so oh, what's, you can get a Z one seventy board for a hundred dollars. But what's the Z one seventy ASUS Gaming Pro Five motherboard run? Yeah, I don't know the answer because they're probably a, yeah a mostly equivalent feature. I guess. Wise. Yeah. I don't know. The one other thing that I could not understand, the MSI specifically calls out Core i3, not just Core support. And then on their site, under their specs, they specifically call out Core i3 again. So I don't understand why it wouldn't support i5 or i7, but they specifically state Core i3, Pentium, and Celeron. Interesting. Hmm. So so the power delivery or... The Z170 Pro Gaming board is $170. Okay. Again, I don't know what the exactly what the feature breakdown is, but right. I imagine they're similar. Sounds like skews. something for us to ask at CES. Hmm. So what's with these motherboards? How about we well, ask Intel why they arbitrarily locked out Xeons from working on Z series? Well, I think we know the answer to that because dollars. Well, also those Xeon boards probably don't have any overclocking capabilities at all. Um, I mean, that, that could be why That's Intel true. doesn't want you running Xeons on regular motherboards because. They don't want you overclocking them. Uh, typically, um, Xeons don't have the graphics in them, but usually they have a little more cache for some more. Oomph. I mean, they're not, g- not sure, going to run as fast, will. but they yeah. have more cache. So. But, but you can still overclock Xeons on their workstation boards, though. Sometimes. On so- some of them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll find out. So that's... Uh, that's like that board Mori was just talking about earlier. Yeah. Like that board has overclocking features. You yeah, put but a Xeon on it, they don't just evaporate. Like the settings are still oh, there. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can yeah. probably base clock. Yeah. On that. Yeah, I don't know. If if Xeon processors are, they're probably multiplier locked. Probably. Yeah. But you can right. base I clock, think, you know. Yeah. And like this stuff changes from generation to generation, so it's difficult to remember. Like True. overclocking on Xeons is kind of a True. mess. 
But and, and most people aren't going to overclock a Xeon. If you're buying a Xeon, you're going to run it as a high-end workstation or a server board, and you don't want to overclock any of that stuff for stability reasons. Yeah, I mean, f- f- most of the time, but a lot of people were just buying Xeons for gaming purposes because they were less expensive and lacked integrated graphics and, and stuff like, like that. Right? Like, yeah. if you can't find the 6700K in stock, the Xeon equivalent <laughs> is usually in stock, so it's like, well... That's true. You yeah. Know. That was definitely an issue for a long time. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Vulcan API slipped to 2016. Scott wrote this setup. This up. The Kronos Group announced on last Friday that the Vulcan API will not ship until next year. Uh, they're expecting it to launch in 2015. Um, and Scott actually had a, a briefing on it, and they were they said the 2015 was an under promise over deliver estimate. So, kind of, kind of backfired on them there. <laughs> um, this is an interesting kind of development. Um, and I don't think they really go into why this is happening. You know, Scott has a couple of theories in here. Um, I will I will tell you a rumor that I've heard from various people throughout the industry is that AMD might be trying to take back some of the intellectual property that they released into Vulcan through Mantle. Uh, and that kind of legalese stuff might be what's holding mm. up Vulcan. Um which would be an interesting development if that's the case, uh, but I don't I don't know any of that for sure. But that's that's a rumor I've been hearing on and from multiple locations now, is that that Andy might have gone, hey, maybe we gave you too much stuff and we want some of that back. I mean, if you look at the fact that we don't really have game engine supporting DX12 yet and shipping games, like the Chronos Group had less time from when they started on Vulcan. They were working from they did. the mantle stuff, but like maybe it's just not ready. They did, but the whole idea was like Mantle was like pretty much done and ready to go, and they just had to do a little bit of yeah. Work but Mantle, to it, Mantle but. wasn't cl- cross-platform. Yeah. Like no. maybe it's yeah. just not ready. I mean, clearly it's not. But I my maybe it's not. My worry is that it is technically ready, but not business ready, <laughs> uh, which would be shitty for a open ecosystem, yep. you know, open source thing to do for it to happen to it. But again. I don't really know for sure. So, uh, something else uh, here: Samsung may be adding AMD to the list of customers. Josh not here to to talk to us about this. Jeremy wrote this up. Um, AMD may use Samsung pr- to produce at least some of their 14 nanometer chips in the coming year. Um, the rumors also include Global Foundries as a source for APUs and GPUs. This is all obviously in relation to 14 nanometer FinFET, 16 nanometer FinFET at TSMC. Um, Global Foundries has FinFET. Samsung has FinFET. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody trying to compete with Intel in that regard. Uh, and then Jeremy mentions here it could also help fund Samsung's development of 10 nanometer FinFET. But yes, everything will help fund <laughs> Samsung's 10 nanometer FinFET development. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the GPU wars in 2016, where uh, Samsung, TSMC, and Global Foundries all have very competitive. Uh, foundry options for this for this node uh, and who is using who who's using both right you look at what Apple did with the iPhone 6s and 6s plus they kind of split across it and maybe there were some good from that from a production standpoint but maybe there were some bad from it and for and sort of uh, uh, variability aspect um, so we'll see what happens in the in the GPU space with it in the uh, in, in the coming year but 2016 is gonna be busy on GPU guys. It's going to be the AMD and NVIDIA both are going to have a lot to say and to do 
this year. And then I think I think this is our last story, our last regular news story here. Shield Tablet K1, now the NVIDIA Shield Tablet K1, now receiving uh, Android 6.0 over-the-air updates. Marshmallow? Marshmallow? I don't know how you pronounce it, but that's all I'm Marshmallow. <laughs> I will say I am not... So we have a Shield tablet here, but we didn't get one that had the Shield tablet K1 label. And our, my understanding of this, Ken, was that these, this is the same device, right? I like, thought so. It really is. I have I have been scanning for updates to get Android 6.0 in the device, and have it has not come through as of this, like an hour and a half ago. This came up in their official thread on the NVIDIA forums, and one of the community members came on and said, you know, because there was speculation going on throughout the thread that they weren't going to be upgrading the technically identical original shield. NVIDIA came on and said, we absolutely are. That's coming up. It's getting Android M 6.0. So they just pushed it out to their new branded device first. So weird. Why would they do that? That's so dumb. So that you go out and buy a new one. Come on. A new one that won't explode because of battery. Like, I think they should be so happy to have any customer... (laughs) using their tablet <laughs> that they should just push the damn update like and if anything the people who bought it longer ago care way more care more than somebody who's just now buying into it or in may- theory maybe right? everyone who bought it early just leaves it sit on a shelf now so they want to give it nobody to would do that who haven't abandoned it maybe yet. they know how often you've had the device on and they're like <laughs> look you don't care <laughs> you're just here to find all the bugs and stuff that's broken um NVIDIA lists Android 6.0 updates. Uh, Sebastian, what do they what do they list here as new things for Android Just 6.0? Just basically the stuff you get with Android, although they did have some of their own features on top of that that they're adding as far as, oh, what was it? It's like um, some enhancements to the UI. It's, it's technically their like software update 1.0 for the tablet K1. So they rolled in a few other things, but it is built on Android 6.0, so you get all of the... Android 6.0 functionality. Is right. the feature where you can pull internal storage in the SD card a 6.0 feature? Is yes, that an NVIDIA and that's feature? enabled on this. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was So it's an Android developing, okay. not an NVIDIA developed. Finally. Adoptable storage. Finally. Plus you get Fallout Shelter and bonus lunchboxes. Isn't Fallout Shelter free? Uh, yeah, but bonus lunchboxes, I said. <laughs> 50, for the first 50,000. The first 50,000 Shield Tablet K1 gamers can score five free lunchboxes. The, fir- the first 50,000 that upgrade their tablet OS? I want to let you know also there are new wallpapers with this update. So, that's something. <laughs> that is something. Oh, shit. Just in time for Christmas. Indeed. All right, let's get into hardware software picks for this week as I lean over. Oh, there it is. Can't place it very yourself. far away. Uh, I am picking the Sphero BB-8 remote control. Alan, what are you reading over there? Is it interesting? BB-8 wants to know. You didn't roll over here and boop, boop, tell boop, me boop, anything. Boop, boop. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not wailing that thing around on the table. Um, so during Twitch last week, I did. He sat on the table with me, but there's so much stuff on the table this week that I thought maybe I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, He'd probably just roll right off the table, too. He did do that once. <laughs> Uh, last week, uh, so BB-8 is a Sphero droid. What was the, what was the Sphero thing called? 
just Sphero. It was just called Sphero. It was just called yeah. a Sphero. And it was just a ball with a without head, a head. With, with a weight in it, without a head on it. Yeah. Uh, that you could remote control from your phone or your shield mm-hmm. device and stuff. Whoa. And this is a Star Wars branded version of that. And it uh, has an app that you can control on your phone, and you can um, remote control it, or you can have it explore on its own, where it kind of does a not so great like Roomba representation, <laughs> where it kind of just walks around and. Bumps into free, crap. Bumps into stuff. Yeah, because it doesn't have it's at, doesn't an have, actual sensor. It doesn't or have anything. a bumper or anything. Just, yeah, yeah, just, just like, when it stops, it goes. Oh, there's a wall here. Hmm. Um, you can have it do cute emoticon. What would you What would you call those? Email emotes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, through the app, it's a little bit odd because the sounds come out of your phone and not out of the droid itself. Yep. Um, because there's no speaker in it. Uh, it's it fairly is, pricey. It's 150 bucks. Yeah, but it is like the highest reviewed like. People that have reviewed all of them have said that they're like that's the best one. Reviewed Typically. all of what the Severo, the, the different, the different like BB-8 oh, droids okay. that are out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fairly expensive. People, several people have asked me, "Is like, would you buy this for your kid?" I'm like, nah. I mean, if it, unless you, I don't know. If, I, I get the feeling kids have, might like, get cats. bored of it. Yeah, you got cats or dogs. Yeah. You want to piss yeah, them off? The yeah, antennas look like they might not. They're not functioning. I don't. No, think. they don't look that Be- because durable. also. The head can pop the off. The head is not. Well, yeah, the other head that. is completely. If you're worried about the antennas breaking, you just roll it around without the head. Yeah. No, no, no. It's already starting to like That's collect just a stuff. Yeah, I mean, it collects dust. It's, it's like, like when you clean the wheels in your mouse. Yep, it is <laughs> exactly what it is. Mouse. When you have the ball, when you have a ball mouse, and you had to get a what? Like, clean what? out the gut. A ball yeah. mouse. Ball mouse. Yes. I mean, can yeah. ma- mice can even have balls in them? Mouse with balls. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I'm not that young. Uh, so the when this first when they first came out, they were. Like the first round of them sold out pretty quick, but now it's listed here on Amazon. It's one forty nine ninety five. Will not arrive before Christmas. Sorry, yeah. everybody. Um, it's a neat little gadget. Uh, and what else? You can also like they do like a little AR thing where if you hold your phone screen up to it in the camera, it sees it and it plays like a holographic message, and you can record your own messages. That's the base that you set so it on to charge. Micro USB. Yep. And it just charges. Yeah, it uses wireless charging. How long does it take? I have no idea. Can't be a very big battery. Yeah, it can't be a very big battery. I've never had to run out of battery, <laughs> but I haven't used it that much either. My dad was blown away that the technology is like that. It's like, and to me, it's, this is like the most simplistic robot thing I can think of. Remember, because the head stays upright on top of the thing? That's Kind of. Yeah. Kind of, just that, you know. You know, you control that robot with your phone. My dad's seventy-two <laughs> years old. To be fair, <laughs> but now, uh, so yeah. Now I remember at QuakeCon one year, Sphero had the gigantic one that Nvidia brought up. Yes. Yeah, they did. It wasn't a BB-8, but no. it was just a giant yeah. ball. BB-8 didn't exist. Then. And, well, yeah, yeah. It's like and they good. were controlling it with the shield. So portable they should just device. make a giant one of those. Yeah, yeah, they should. They make a giant for QuakeCon this year. Maybe we'll make it happen. <laughs> Maybe. I know. Probably not. Uh, all right, so who's up next? Let me switch back here. We've got Alan. Moi. Okay, what do you got for us? So uh, this is a pretty easy way to send files to basically from anything to anything. Okay. And that's including, like, PC to iPhone, PC to Android, Android to iOS. Like, doesn't really matter. Like, okay. if it's something that you can get to on that device, chances are you can send it to any other device that can handle this same like app or program on your PC or whatnot. Um, and in most cases, it's just a direct file transfer. Like It doesn't even have to go bounce through a server as long as you're on the same network hmm. as the other device. Okay. 
Um, you basically you run the app on both devices, and then there's like a six-digit kind of key code that it generates to like authorize that file, so it's just not going to whoever wants to grab it. Right. Um, and it's supposedly like an encrypted transfer, like protected and everything. And so what have you used this for? You can just transfer anything. Just like you just need to get a file onto some other device easily and quickly. Like, and you don't want to use Dropbox or, you know, you're trying to get it from somebody else. You think else this is the equivalent of what, like, the Apple like connection? The air, like the AirDrop thing? Yeah. Um, kind of? But it uses the internet. There's an extra step. What? Uses the what? What? The, the internet? AirDrop? No. This. This. Uh, this uses the internet, but the file you're doesn't necessarily... the HTTPs. Well, yeah, but the file doesn't necessarily go through their server. Like, there's two ways it can go. Okay. It can do... It can do direct, okay. like, point-to-point. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those oddball things you want to keep in your back pocket for when you're like, man, I really need to get this file over to this other thing, and I can't, like, do yeah. it because of whatever. You know, the person doesn't have Dropbox or some other, you know... If you're trying to get it to somebody else's device, right? I just need to get that file over there. Here are the user cases. Ha- hassle-free way to send all my baby pictures and videos to my mom without degrading quality. Lawyer, confidential and secure way to share highly sensitive documents with my clients or colleagues. Student, sending class notes to my friends has never been easier. Journalist, now I can easily transfer my audio files from my P- phone to PC or easy way to share my reports with my boss without the fear of someone stealing my work. You know, journalist. So you probably get like a yeah. voice memo off of an iPhone without having to recompress it and without having to use iTunes, huh. for example. And I know right. I hate using iTunes. See? For it. Uh, okay. So, is it, you know. Is it free? What's it cost? Yeah, it looks like it's free on, I think it's free on all the platforms. How do they make money? I'm not really sure. Uh, web 2.0. But hey, it's, you know. That's not the point. The point is to get customers and yeah. then and then, make money. then make some business yeah. version of it right. and then they'll charge money on that. And then they'll True. still lose money every quarter. Yeah. And they'll still lose money. And- Hooray, internet. <laughs> yeah. Just data harvesting. No big deal. Yeah, that's probably it. They are, uh, they are pretty clear on the website. They're like, look, if we even... If we have to pass a file through our server, the longest it will be available is 24 hours, and then it's gone. Plenty yeah. of time so, for them to catalog everything. Well, they're just they're just like very clear about like you know like they're like we don't even want your file, so we will try to make it go direct. But if for some reason that doesn't work, then we're not storing your shit indefinitely. Yeah, we we don't even want it. I like that yeah. part of it. That's the, I like it when a company has that kind of a you know thing. I like it when they say that. We'll yep. see if they do. Uh, Sebastian, no wait, Maury. All right, my pick was the Thermaltake Core X9 case. Okay. I don't actually have one with me. The thing, well, it's not that big, actually. It's about the same size uh, height-wise as the, what, the uh, Corsair 540 Air. It's a little bit wider, and it's about 25 inches uh, depth, so it's a lot deeper. Um, the reason why I picked this, and I actually have one on order. It should be getting here tomorrow, depending on when... Amazon decides to ship it. Um, well, yeah. But uh, basically, I wanted a case that I could put all my crap in. And I, right now, I'm running. Well, I mean, you, you've you guys have seen my case. Yep. You know, the various iterations. That is huge. Um, or is that two? Two stacks. Two of them. Oh, okay. But this thing will hold, uh, house. You can put in like four uh, uh, four uh, four by one twenty radiators in it. Um, It'll it'll uh, host a uh, EATX motherboard, um, 
a huge amount of drive. Huh. So you've got three, uh, five, um, what, five and a quarter inch device drive bays on top. Are so these five and a quarter inch? No, wait. These yeah, are five are, and a quarter well, inch. That's bays? how big it is. Yeah, those, those are five are, and a quarter. Yes, yeah, that's how big it is. Holy <laughs> floppy bays! And those and those top those uh, top things there, the uh, top cutouts in the top. Yeah, those are four by one twenty cutouts. Those are four eighties each. Yes. Oh my lord! This is only one hundred and thirty dollars. Yes. <laughs> Scrap it, make it back in steel. Cost alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's, it's a really big case, huh. but it was it was a really nice design. Um, yeah. And you know, we'll see. I mean, I'll, I'll I'm gonna be doing another build. In this, um, I have all the components, so you guys will see this at QuakeCon. So of course. Gonna, so he's going to put wheels on that and drive it to QuakeCon. No, no. Yeah, no. I'm not driving it to QuakeCon. Uh, Those are the enough. optical drive bays right here. Holy moly. That's a big case. That's a big case, and it goes yeah, I mean, way deep too. Like if that's if those are optical. Well, look at look at this yeah. shot right here. Shows the motherboard. Wait, what is it? Which one? Yeah, there's one side profile with the motherboard in it. Yeah, and the motherboard's like just half of the Doink. front of the. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's that, the back it's half. Depth, the depth is tw- is 25 inch depth on that. So the motherboard, it's like some of those micro ATX cases we have, except full size ATX. Exactly. ATX even. Well, and they actually make a uh, micro ATX and a uh, mini ITX versions. Of oh, this I see also. that down here. So, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Is the I mean, case... They're all huge cases. Oh, so the case is still the same size, but you can, you can put a micro. No, it's smaller. Oh, okay. All right, just checking. Well, see, like, look, see, see, as I swap between these. Yeah. On the on the, the left, optical there, bays become the, larger. Yeah. Look how look at the optical bay <laughs> difference. <laughs> That's impressive. Huh? That's, That's cool. How much is that thing? Too. It's just one twenty nine for the black yeah. one. Seriously? Yeah. For a beast yeah. of a case. Yeah, we'll see how it's built. My guess is it's not doesn't have an overabundance of material. It's true, but Sebastian, you could fit like you could probably live inside of a box for this case. Yeah, I mean the Antec S10 was the biggest case box I've seen so far, but that's huge. How many square feet is your house if you count the inside of boxes? Hmm, that's a question that I can't even answer. <laughs> yeah, because that's cubic feet. It's math versus square feet. Well, <laughs> all yeah. right, uh, Sebastian, <laughs> your last. I'm wearing. I'm wearing my pick of the week right now. It's that jacket. Yep, it's this uh, fleece from Eddie Bauer. No, actually, this is a <laughs> y- uh, Yamaha. These are the ATH8700X headphones from Audio Technica. Do I do? What do I think about the fact that they put the word audiophile in the title of their headphone? <sighs> They're like SEO. <laughs> well, tip, the eighty seven hundred is a well known audiophile headphone. This is the update to it. It has a little bit better bass performance and a better design overall. The eighty seven hundred yeah. was a not the best build. These are really cool because they have a huge dynamic range uh, or a, and a huge frequency response. They have they're extremely sensitive, so almost anything will drive them. A phone drives them easily to very comfortable volumes. They don't have the best bass. This is not a bass head headphone. This is an open ear mm. headphone that is extremely wide. Like the 700 was well known because the drivers are 53 millimeter drivers and they're actually angled kind of towards you like a speaker slightly. Right. They give a little bit of a wider kind of sound, like the sound stage they talk about. So where, how does, when I'm talking to you now, what do I sound like? What you sound I- like I'm listening to the direct connection to your microphone on like a soundboard. I wanted it to sound like I was on a stage and you were. That'd be like to a I lecture. could EQ that maybe. Okay. I don't know, but <laughs> this is and the, the these headphones 
this is like that hundred dollar range, and there's a lot of debate about what the best headphone is for listening to music around that price. Mm-hmm. These have a retail of two hundred. They've been on Amazon for around a hundred, hundred and ten for the longest time. I got these a year ago for like ninety five bucks on Amazon. Yeah, and it's hmm. nice because you can actually hear the outside world around you. Uh, I hate that. Like in the open ears, <laughs> I I don't like the closed ear. Uh, I don't like open ears. It's not like noise canceling. Ken just doesn't but like I can't the world hear anything. Them. Yeah, I just I just want to be inside of my headphones. <laughs> you know, it's each their own. But these these sound magnificent for any kind of acoustic or live like like you know classical jazz. I, I will not I will not attempt music. to disagree with you. You know significantly more about me than that. All I will point out is that putting the term audiophile in the title of your headphone insinuates that. That like, I'm better than you? It, no, it's anyway so like every other headphone that doesn't have it is not actually targeting people who really care about audio. Well, okay, look at the market. Like uh, Beats and Bose, these are headphones that target people who are interested in having like a really fun to listen to kind of experience. Like it's, it's audio really files don't like space. fun. <laughs> <laughs> they hate fun. I, I hate fun. They're masochists. I, I want to hear how bad a recording really sounds to the, the point where I have to turn it off. The definition of audiophile is a person enthusiastic about high fidelity sound reproduction. That sounds fun. An audiophile value audiophile values may be applied at all stages of music reproduction: the initial audio recording, the production process, and the playback, which is usually in a home setting. And the expense of the cables. Which is usually in a home setting alone. <laughs> <laughs> Crying. Audiophiles don't like order. fun, and they don't have friends. I hate fun. I'm averse to it. Yeah. But I, I will say though, one last point: these are huge. Yeah. Headphones with this giant mm. ring suspension, and then they actually sit that's, on the top of your head with these two pads. That's weird. And they have these sort of velour cup pads, but they feel almost like they're not on they're very light and the suspension system does not really put any force against your ears it just kind of just sits on your head they they're the most comfortable large headphones i've ever worn if you're looking for a last minute christmas gift that you can print out a picture of and put it in a box and say these will be here soon headphones to take on an airplane these are small. They're portable. They're they open. Don't they're open. No, no. Don't take no, you, open you headphones on an airplane. <laughs> okay. All I had my last flight was some earbuds, and I couldn't even hear them. You got to shove them really far into your ear. <laughs> there was some blood coming out, so I stopped. Go further. <laughs> That could be dangerous. That could be dangerous. Uh, all right, everybody, that's going to wrap up tonight's episode of the PC Perspective Podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Again, pcper.com slash podcast. pcper.com slash podcast. That's the URL to go to to find all of our back episodes, how you can subscribe, how you can share. Uh, you can find the video versions. You can find links to RSS feeds. Uh, and pcper.com slash live on Wednesday nights, usually at 10 p.m. Eastern. Today we did it at 8 p.m. Eastern, and if you want to get those updates on the go, or at home, I guess, just immediately. If you want to get those updates about when we're going to do live streams, uh, go to pcper.com slash subscribe and fill out that form there. Um, that is going to be it for us, guys. We, we'll be here next week. We're going to do another one before we head out for CES, um, so maybe we'll try to do something interesting like CES predictions. We usually do like the best items of the year. Do we? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. That sounds like a lot of work, too. Mm, not really. We'll figure it out. All right. We'll do something next week. We'll have a show <laughs> of some kind, um, and we'll do it, I guess. So be prepared for that. 
That's it. That's all I got. We'll see you next time, guys. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Alan Mamatano. I'm Mario Chatelman. I'm Sebastian Peake. Bye. Bye.